Hi, everyone. Welcome to Let's Rethink This. I'm your host, Abby Berger, and today I'm talking with one of Independence Center's community support specialists, Jordan Palmer. Jordan has been a CSS for three years and is currently pursuing her master's in social work at Washington University in St. Louis. Aside from managing a full caseload, Jordan is also very involved with Independence Center's diversity, equity, and inclusion work and did a practicum project specifically addressing how race intersects with mental health. We will get into that in a little, but first I want to introduce Jordan and learn a little bit more about her experience working as a CSS. So welcome, Jordan. Hello. So let's get started. Will you start by just explaining what a community support specialist does and specifically what a CSS does at Independence Center. Yeah, so basically a community support specialist does a little bit of everything. We work one-on-one -on -one with members to help them achieve their goals. We help them with um, applying and managing their benefits, finding safe and affordable housing, we assist them with doctor's appointments to make sure that they're following the doctor's recommendations and to ensure that they understand the doctor's recommendations and that they're being, being treated fairly. Um, we help them with grocery shopping to teach them how to eat nutritious meals. Um, we basically do a little bit of everything. And that's so important, I think, um, you know, having a CSS there working in partnership with the members it makes it so much easier to kind of navigate all of those things that you were talking about and learn those skills together. Um, it just makes it a little bit easier. And, and relationships are at the center of that. So I think that it's really important to connect with the people you're serving. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and why you think it's important? Yeah, relationships are everything when it comes to community support. And just the nature of community support allows you to really connect with people in a different way. And you really get to build a like truly trusting relationship where they really trust you to help them navigate these difficult situations. And you, you learn from each other. Like as much as I've taught my members how to do different things, they've taught me other things in my life too. It just really is, that's the best thing about this job is a relationship that I've built with everyone on my caseload. Do you think it's sometimes hard for members to fully like trust and support their CSS? Yeah, I've definitely, it's hard at first whenever you first start working with someone because people have built up walls and they've built up those walls for a reason. And so you really kind of have to be persistent and kind of have to prove yourself and show that you're a trustworthy person. And honestly, some of the people who had the toughest walls to get through that I've worked with, have, I've ended up having some of the best relationships with them. That's awesome. I mean, I'm sure, especially working in the mental health space, I'm sure people have had trying relationships. They've been burned. I know there's not a ton of understanding around mental illness and so sometimes I think 
people, just like you said, people get burned, people get hurt by people that they care about because the people around them don't necessarily understand how to manage and navigate that mental illness with our members. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the times that you really see the relationship come through is whenever there is a crisis. Like that's when you really see that people really trust you and that you're able to get them to safety no matter what the circumstances. Can you tell us a little bit more about maybe a situation that you've been in where you've done that and seen that? Yeah, I've had, you know, several situations where people were pretty symptomatic, um, had a lot of symptoms of paranoia, thought that people were after them, genuinely felt like they were in danger. And I was able to, you know, get them to the hospital safely. And it was because as soon as I got there, they knew that they were safe with me. And so I was able to navigate that situation for them and get them to safety. And that's so cool. That really shows you, you know, how much people rely on the CSS workers that, um, that are out in our community helping people navigate all of these different things. And, and for us, it's specifically around mental illness and mental health, but they're community support workers in almost every single field of social work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So typically, like a lot of what we do is called like case management. And I think that's the more common um, type of community support that you see. But yeah, just the relationships we have with people is amazing. And like in those crisis situations, you can like, like someone will be in the middle of crisis. And if you have a good relationship with them and you walk in and you tell them, you know, I'm here, you can trust me, you're safe. You can actually physically see them relax. And it's just, that's what makes this job worthwhile. It's a hard job, but it's those relationships that keep you going. Now, so you're a CSS now, but you're going to school to get your master of social work at Washington University in St. Louis. So what prompted you to want to return to school? Well, I've always loved learning. I love school. I'm weird like that. Um, And I guess I didn't quite know what I wanted to do in my future because I mean I love doing community support but you know it can be tiring running around St. Louis all day so I wanted options for my future plus I wanted to be able to provide better support to the members that I serve Um, and what really came down to it was I was talking with my supervisor and I was really kind of debating back and forth about what I wanted to do. And she's, she helped me realize that that was the path that I really wanted to take. Being a lifelong learner is essential um, for all of us for many different reasons, not only in social work, but being able to gain those skills to just do your job better, you know, do your current Mm -hmm. job better, but then do your future job better too. And I think that's awesome. So do you have a focus area of your degree for this master of social work program? Yeah, so my concentration is in mental health, and I'm wanting to go down the like individual path um, or the direct practice path. So I'm hoping after I get my master's to also become a licensed clinical social worker. 
awesome. I mean, that's a lot of a lot of school to do all of that, but that's so great that you are realizing kind of exactly what you want to do in the future. So let's get into this project um, that you just did. So for WashU's Brown School, which is the School of Social Work, they require that you do two practicums. And the first was this really cool project. So I guess first, can you explain the practicum system and then what your two practicums look like? Yeah, so at the Brown School, we have to do two practicums. Our foundation practicum, which basically just, as it says, lays the foundation for all of your future work and kind of gets you used to working in the field of social work. And so that's what I did this first time. And I did it in the clubhouse at Independence Center. And then my second one is my concentration practicum. So it's gonna be a little bit more clinical. It's going to be over at our welcome center. And hopefully I'll also get to shadow some of our counselors and get some more clinical experience. So you really are seeing the full gamut of services provided at Independence Center. Yeah, it's a really fun opportunity because I mean, I don't think very many people get to work simultaneously in almost every every side of Independence Center at the same time, um, which has been really eye-opening and it's really helped me kind of see how all of our services go together because sometimes whenever, you know, especially community support where you're out in the field so much, it's hard to see how all of the other sides of IC kind of work together. Yeah, because they all are meant to provide that holistic care to our members and really serve whatever the member is needing in that moment. Yeah, and it's also allowed me to get to know more members because before, you know, I was primarily, like I had really great relationships with the members on my caseload and then, you know, a handful of members in the clubhouse, but now I've really gotten to know a lot more, which has been fun. Um, I also, part of my foundation practicum, I got to start a young adult committee. Um, and it's been fun working with the members in that committee and really getting to see them grow. So what does that committee do? Obviously, if it's for young adults. I'm sure it's young adult focused. But <laughs> what, are, what are your primary goals within that group? Yeah, we're still really working on growing that group. But right now, our primary goal is to be um, hosting like kind of social functions for our young adult members to help get more young adults engaged in the clubhouse. And then the other part of your project has really been about diversity, equity, and inclusion work, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was part of a steering committee that helped to launch our diversity committee. Um, so I was involved in the planning of that and I kind of helped plan our diversity committee meetings. Cool, and one of the things that Independence Center launched um, last year was the Conversation Starts Here group, and that's a group for both members and staff. Do you want to share a little bit more about that group? Yeah, so I mean, I wasn't involved in the launching. I may, I started going once I was able to have time with my practicum because community support keeps me out in the community most of the time. Um, but it was a group that was kind of started after the death of George Floyd as kind of a space for people to come together and talk. And it's really 
since then it's it's even grown more where it's a space where members and staff can come and meet every meet or every week to discuss um, issues around diversity. And it's a space where people can have those uncomfortable conversations so that we can gain clarity and education. Which is so important because the more you know, you know, just the better off you are. Because we do serve a diverse population and diverse in every sense of the word, you know, age, race, gender, socioeconomic status, like it's really everyone. And so understanding all of those different perspectives is essential to the work that Independent Center is doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a it's a great group. I've really enjoyed being a part of it. And it's every single week, there's a large number of staff and members that come. And it's just amazing the conversations that go on in that group. Like you can really tell that people who go to that group are really interested in learning and educating themselves. So the going back to the diversity committee that you talked about, and you were on the steering committee that brought that committee to life, it now has three different subcommittees underneath it. So and they're working on different focus areas. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have the three subcommittees are one that kind of focuses on like physical disabilities. I can't remember the name of the group, um, but Naomi is head, heading that group. And it basically looks at ways that we can make the clubhouse more accessible um, to everybody. And then there's a racial equity committee and then there's a celebration committee. And it seems like kind of the direction we're going is that the racial equity committee and the celebration committee are gonna be teaming up so that we can be hosting throughout the year celebrations of diversity so that people can see and learn about different cultures, different backgrounds, and just kind of celebrate what makes us unique. Yeah, and I think the, the purpose of committees is to bring that information outside of the committee. You know, you're, you're doing the work, but you want everyone involved in the organization to see that work that you're doing and, and gain the education, gain the exposure, gain whatever it is that your intention is with the committee outside of the committee. So that's that's really cool. So let's talk about your practicum project, the foundational practicum project that you did. So from my understanding, a practicum project is like a final project that you do kind of throughout the semester and you focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then you brought in another one of your hobbies and loves, which is photography, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I actually, my undergrad degree was in photography and international human rights. Um, but I haven't been able to do photography a while just because I've been so busy. But I always really enjoyed like documenting um, or shedding light on like human rights issues because photography is just such a powerful form of communication. Um, and in fact, some of my past projects include like doing a project on homelessness in St. Louis, where I walked around St. Louis one summer and I was teamed up with AmeriCorps. 
St. Louis. And so I walked around St. Louis one summer and photographed people who were homeless and then also recorded their story. And AmeriCorps had these really cool like MP3 players that like you use at like museums. And so as people viewed the photographs, they could hear the person's stories in their own words. And that project is actually kind of what led me to IC because after like that, I did that project going into my senior year at Webster University. And although that project was incredible, it made me like feel like I didn't really do anything. Even though I loved the project, it was just so hard listening to people's stories and not knowing how to help. Like I didn't have the resources for them and, or, and I didn't know how to get them. And so as soon as I graduated, I started at IC so that I could have those resources to give people. But that's actually like so wild that that project kind of led you in that direction. But I understand it. Um, it makes sense. Like you are doing work though by exposing people's stories and and sharing them with a community. But I understand what you're saying, where by sharing those stories, you're not really helping the individual. You're helping kind of the awareness of the issue, but not so much supporting the individual. So that's pretty cool mm-hmm. that that's what led you to Yeah, what center. a lot of people don't like, don't realize is that whenever you're photographing someone, you're really connecting with them like on a personal level. And so it's really hard to separate. Like, yes, you're raising awareness for the bigger issue, but what are you doing for that specific person that you're photographing? And it's hard because you build those relationships and you like in order to have a good project, you have to build those relationships to establish trust with people. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. So for this final project that or this practicum project that you just did you focused on diversity equity and inclusion and worked with members at independence center so will you share more about the project and relate it to maybe some of the work that you're doing in the diversity committee yeah so the project actually kind of started before i even um started my practicum. It started, I think the conversation starts here group started talking about it, like right around the time that the group started. Um, And it was a member who actually brought up the idea. And then they just didn't have a way to execute it. And I was just talking to Jennifer, who was my field instructor for my practicum. And I just brought up how I happened to be like have a degree in photography. And so she connected me to the group. And then I worked with Amber, Naomi and the group to kind of develop this project. And so it focuses on how racism impacts mental health. Um, And there's a couple of videos that just also talk about how discrimination in general impacts mental health and how it has impacted our members specifically. Um, And I worked on the project for about six months and I photo or I interviewed so most of the most of the project consists of photos vid and videos 
and I kind of intertwine them. A couple are just audio and photos because people didn't feel comfortable being on video. Um, but each one is completely unique, just like everyone's story. And there's 14 total participants. And it was just, it was really, it was really powerful working on this project because I was super worried going into it that people weren't going to feel comfortable to open up because racism and past history of discrimination, those are hard to talk about. And I was just so impressed and so grateful to all of our members who opened up and shared their stories and their perspectives. Because um, everybody across the board really opened up and I was just so surprised and so grateful that they were willing to trust me and made themselves vulnerable for that, for the videos so that we can get this powerful message out. And it speaks to your ability to build relationships with people. And I think that's, you know, that stems out of your community support work that you do. So it kind of all connects together. So for the project, obviously you have to turn this in for school. It's something, you know, for, for your master's. But how else do you plan to share the project? Like, how can people see it? Yeah, so we're hoping to do a screening really soon at Independence Center with it. I've kind of edited all of the photo or all of the videos into one like film. Um, we'll also be sharing individual videos through like social media that hopefully can be shared throughout the community. And then we're also going to try to reach out to like partner organizations to see if we can do any screenings through their organizations too. It's awesome that your work for school can kind of double as just information for people to consume on social media or through a screening or within a group even, you know, like the conversation starts here. I know that group does screenings of documentaries um, every so often and then they they watch it and then discuss and so I'm sure there are other groups out there that are doing similar things so it'd be cool to be able to share your work and then um, have a discussion around that and what that means. Yeah yeah I'm really hoping we can get all of these videos in front of as many people as possible because there are some really powerful stories in these videos. I'm sure. And I am so thankful that you wanted to talk about this and um, share about your project. I think it's really cool. I am excited to see kind of what's next with where it goes. And before we wrap up today, I wanted to ask you um, this kind of final question that I've been asking all of our podcast guests. And it is, if you could debunk one myth about mental illness, what, what would you say? What would it be? Um, that's a good question. I guess mine, I don't know about myths, but what I would want to say to people is that everybody is a person, no matter what. Everyone just different people need different levels of support and that doesn't make them any less 
it doesn't mean that they can't do um, anything any less than anybody else. We're all people and that we just need to take time to learn from each other. I think that's a great way to end the podcast. And um, I definitely agree. You know, we're, we are all people. We all need each other to navigate this world. You know, we can't do it on our own. So that's a great way to end it. So thank you, Jordan, for being on the podcast. You can check out Jordan's project by following Independence Center's Facebook page. Um, which we will link in the show notes so that you can see her project as it comes out. We're probably going to post it out on social media um, soon and you can interact with it, share it, like it, comment on it. Um, I think that'll be really cool. And before we sign off, just make sure that you are rate reviewing and subscribing to the podcast so that you don't miss any new episodes. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Let's Rethink This Pod. And if you are struggling with mental illness or substance use disorder, please go to our website, www.independentcenter.org, to find a list of local and national resources. Thank you all for listening, and I will talk with you all next week.